when we think of what God has done for us and every part of the year, isn't it incredibly great that I love every season, but the autumn, the fall has a particular richness to it. Not just are the nights starting to cool off and yet things are still in bloom, but all the produce, all the richness of all the work of the summer is harvesting at this time. It's why God told them to keep this festive and to bring before Him. There's a, you know, one of the secrets of life is learning how to forget. I'm mastering this skill, by the way, really uh, well. But what you remember and what you forget has a lot to do with your happiness. I tell everybody that I have a photographic memory. I just don't have any film in the camera is all right now. But it's hard to remember when you are out planting in this barren soil and just working and you're sweating and putting all the seed in the ground and pouring water. It's hard to remember what's going to happen. Likewise, as the children of Israel came before the Lord every fall and as they would bring in the produce, this was taken actually from the field, and this is a taste of what to come. You forget at the banquet table the effort and the postponing of gratification, what you did before, but it is so worth it. And in a few moments, we're going to be asking you likewise to come before the Lord. And we want everybody involved. If you're visiting, I want you to, in fact, all of you in your uh, pews there, you have one of these things. Would you take out and get it right now? And what this has is a statement of our stewardship. You can assign it if you're visiting. Just put a praise on it. Say praise the Lord and you go home and support your home ministry. If this is your home church, I want you to take it. You can sign out where it says the financial. You can uh, just tear it off and bring it up here and put it in one of these baskets. You can uh, just lay the whole brochure in there. But I want you to be involved. Why? This is not about raising funds. I mean the money is helpful. Yeah, we need it. This is about our hearts. And your heart follows your treasure, Jesus said. And so I want, if this is your home mission, everybody to be involved in this. I want you right now to be thinking about if you've already thought this last week and prayed about, as we said last week, what you would like to give. If you don't know what to give, just tell me and I'll fill one out for you if you would like. But, but no, just between you and the Lord. But I want you to be thinking about that and what your response to this great God is going to be as we watch this video that our communication department did about sowing and reaping. Watch this. Three thousand years ago, the psalmist said, those who go out and plant in tears, reap in joy. What the psalmist was saying is a simple rule of life. It's a lot more fun to harvest than it is to do the hard work of planting. And yet when you come to a field of wheat or whatever it is in life, you do the hard work first in order to have the harvest. God's spiritual physics of sowing and reaping never change. When we honor Him in all of our life and do the hard work first, He will bring about the growth. We sow into the Lord with our finances. You know what we grow in? Of course, God will take care of us financially. But when you trust God in the little things, then you can trust Him in the big things. When you have a little joy now, you have a lot of joy then. All the bills that we have and all the things we're trying to earn money for and spending, what do we want? 
We want a little joy. We want some security. We want to bless those we love. It's ironic because when you get through the chaff of all the things of the world and you honor the Lord with your heart, then that love and that joy and that peace has just literally released the fruit of the Spirit into our life. When I think what you have sown into at Bel Air, when I think of the hard work that people in front of us, this is our 50th year celebrating and what God has harvested, the thousands of young lives, the children and the student ministries that every week are blessed by Bel Air as they come up there. It's just wild to watch what God grows. So I want to ask you, as well as join Carolyn and me as we sow into the ministry of Bel Air, you were big boys and girls. I always say that. I will never tell you what to give. If this is your home church, I expect you to be sowing into this ministry. Why? So that God can bring about a great harvest. But I promise you this, on the basis of God's rule, as you honor the Lord, He will honor you. It is wild to watch God grow. But it's up to you and me to do the planting. Let's be good stewards. It's fun to do the harvest. Sometimes in life, uh, it's the simple answers that explain the complicated things the best. Now, you don't want to take lightly the complexities of being alive in the year 2006 in Los Angeles, how crazy things can be. But when you take the zoom lens and back it out and from the eyes of God, it really is the simple responses. Uh, growing up in eastern Colorado for a few years in early grade school, we had a lot of wheat farmers. And I remember this one farmer who was very successful. Uh, they, my father asked him what the secret was. It said it's easy. Good farming, it's 50% weather and 50% good luck. The rest is all skill. And actually, he was being humble in that. It is all about timing and what you put in. And sometimes it's the simple things. We make life so complicated. I was thinking of uh, the two guys that joined the new church, uh, Bubba and the psychiatrist. They were in a small group, and they found out Bubba was a truck driver. And he found out this guy in a small group was a psychiatrist. And he said, wow, maybe you can help me. He said... I am so terrified I can't sleep at night. He said, I keep thinking someone's underneath my bed. And I keep getting up three or four times a night and checking underneath. And the psychiatrist said, whoa, well, you need to come in and see me about three times a week. And, you know, maybe a couple of years we can heal you of this phobia. And the truck driver said, wow, it's kind of expensive. And he said, well, don't you want to be healed? He said, sure. And they didn't see each other for a long time. And after about three months, they came to the small group again and the uh, psychiatrist said to the truck driver, he said, I saw you got a new truck. He goes, yeah, rather than spending the money on you, I went and bought a new truck. And he said, well, what about the nightmares? He goes, oh, no problem. My buddy told me. I just saw the legs off my bed. It's on the floor. No one's underneath. No problems anymore. <laughs> and now sometimes it's just little simple responses. Jesus tells his followers in this delicious little parable that you read that there's three great truths about the harvest. We plant the seed, God does the growth, and there's a harvest. We plant the seed and then go to bed. As the New York theologians say, forget about it. 
God does the growth. And He does the growth in stages. And we don't need to know how as the man who slept and didn't know. And there is a harvest. And depending on what it is and how large it is, is what we give to the Lord to work with in our heart. This is not about amount. This is about proportions and how much we really do honor the Lord first in our life. And Bel Air, with the mission that we have, I want to tell you, to help make this city the greatest city for Christ, working with other ministries, like this Bel Air drama coming up, the comedy with Faithful Central and St. Sophia's we've gone to and others. I need men and women who are serious about following the Lord. Now, some of you that are not Christian yet, like I said, this doesn't apply to you. You do need to find Christ because there's this little thing called heaven and hell. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. You need to find him and so you can have heaven now for the rest of us. I need men and women that are joyful, serious about saying, Lord, I trust you. And that's what this morning is all about. Get your Bible. Let's turn over and take a look at this uh, great little parable again. Turn over to Mark 4 on page 815. As Christ talks about the great truth that we have in life here. Verse 26. He also said the kingdom of God is if someone would scatter seed on the ground. Now that scattering of the seed is not random. The guy takes the seed out because he's already worked the soil and it's ready for it. If you want to invest in the marketplace, you better be focused or you're going to be called bankrupt. You better not just be throwing money out there. You want to learn to play an instrument like these people are singing like this? You're going to have to avoid some distractions and do the hard work of rehearsal. You want to get good in a sport and learn a new skill? Marvelous. You've got to have some concentration even when you're discouraged. You want to make a friend? It doesn't happen just that way if you randomly see each other. You have to be dedicated enough to make time for common shared experiences. That's what friendship is. And if you want to be a disciple... And I don't mean the admiring crowd who applauds for Jesus far off, who he is always trying to chase off. And I know a lot of people here in L.A. that think they're Christian. They're going to get before the Lord. They're going to say, God, first of all, I'm a fan of all your work. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. What I'm talking about is people that are serious. You need to have a fellowship that you're committed to financially. Whether it's Bel Air or not, I don't care. I would love to have you be a part of this fellowship. But I don't want you to be a part of this fellowship unless you're sharing your faith, you're learning to grow, you're in worship like you are, you're in a small group, you're reaching out, and you're financially hooked in. Because Jesus said your heart follows your wallet. It's a spiritual law of physics. And that's where the great joy in this is. Now, once you've planned it, like Jesus said, mellow out. If you do something, you know what faith is? You do what's right, and you leave the results to God, and you go take a nap. That's what Jesus said. There's someone who's a Wycliffe translator. I think it was in Arian Gyro where they were trying to find a translation of the Bible, and this particular tribe did not have a word for faith. And he thought, how can I come up with a word to explain faith? It's so much a part of the Bible. And some guy, one of his friends, came in and just laid. He was tired on his hammock after working out in the field. And it's like, Abibabo. It means to lay in the hammock. He goes, there's the word. By the way, it's not really Abibabo. I just made that up. But 
Faith is where you do what's right and you go, Lord, catch me. And he goes, got you. And the peace and the assurance and the tranquility of knowing you do your part, God does his. That's how you learn to enjoy life. You don't do everything. You can't do everything. You just do your part and God says, I'll take care of the rest. I want to tell you, God does not need our money. He has never had a cash flow problem yet. Do you know that? Since his beginning of all time, he has spoken and things come into existence. But his people have a faith flow problem. And we have a tendency just to look to ourselves. When you go out and you plant seeds, go to bed. You go out and you share with your friends about Christ, your Jewish friends, your Muslim friends, your total partying heathen pagan friends. And you just tell them, you know, how much the Lord means to you. Go home and go to bed. Because it's not fair, but afterwards when their head hits that pillow at night, the Holy Spirit knocks on their heart and says, you know this is true. You just And by the way, you plant seeds, not full-grown trees. You know, you don't come to them and say, so do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Uh, just tell you know, if Jesus could love me, he could love anybody. If you can't say that about you, say, hey. If Jesus could love Brewer, he could love anybody. And just plant that seed. When you're trying to get off an addiction, all you do is one day at a time and you leave the results to God. AA's great statement, a successful day is one day without a drink. You don't need to worry about this next week. You just worry about not having a drink today. And you have friends come alongside and God moves them. I knew a woman had seven kids and her husband died and she had to raise them. And when her son was going to a graduation, uh, one time one of our kids were graduating, and she raised them on her own. She, she was a waitress, and I asked how she did that, because she had such a joy about it, and she said, I made a deal with God. I'd do the work, and God could do all the worrying, and the results would be his. She raised her kids. Now, she was kind of a crack-up in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, when he was playing out there and stuff, she was kind of a tough old girl. She'd pull up in her pickup and put her cigarette out and says, where are the kids at right now? But she had such a love about her that it's funny. <laughs> that she just totally trusted God. And, you know, I never heard her complain. Why? Because the God of the harvest. She knew God would take care of them. When you honor the Lord, as Jesus says here, someone would sat or skeet on the seat on the ground he would sleep and rise night and day. The seed would sprout and grow, and he does not know how. It's tragic in America today that you and I live in. As our incomes increase, and you look at Americans' increase today compared to 100 years ago, let alone in history, the rest of the world, Americans are actually giving Christians less and less to the church. And the anxiety about money and things increases as our affluence goes up. Now, it's not the money in itself, except that the money can be a narcotic. And the way you get out of that is by honoring the Lord and finding this freedom. You cannot have a better standard of living if you don't have a higher standard of giving. Not just a cute phrase, it's true. When you learn to honor and give to the Lord, God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. He asks you to trust Him with what you do. And as He can see that He can trust you with that, that He releases the fruit of the Spirit. God does the growing, and it's in stages. It's not instant. First the stalk, then the head, and then the seed in the head. 
And likewise, you honor the Lord a little bit now, and you begin to realize, and God takes care of, and it starts to grow this new fruit. And money has influence on it. I only know one true billionaire. And I want to tell you, the thing I feel about him the most, he cannot meet with a person without knowing somewhere in the conversation the big ask is coming. They're going to ask for money out of him in some way. And it's so weird, he's become almost so jaded that any time he interacts with somebody, it's merely a setup for development work that he's so alone in life. And I told him, I can set you free. Give me your money. (laughs) He doesn't return my calls anymore. But, uh, of course, money has influence. We all are affected by it. Let's be honest. The receptionist at the church picked up the phone, and she heard, she said, you know, first church. And the guy said, tell me, is the head hog of the trough there? She said, excuse me? You mean our pastor? He goes, yeah, is the head hog of the trough there? She said, well, he's on another phone. And first of all, we don't call him that. And he said, well, I was just going to tell you, but I had a $100,000 gift for him. She said, just a minute, I'll go get the big pig right now. So, (laughs) of course, money has influence on all of us. And that's why Jesus talks about it so much. He does not know how soil in itself never grew a thing. You know that? There's no such thing as spontaneous generation. It needs seed. And your whole life, just because you're alive in here sucking air in time and space, doesn't mean that you're going to grow anything spiritual without sowing into it. Isaiah said that God was preparing his people. I don't like it when God prepares me, and I'm sure you don't either. Do you think God likes it? This hard heart, what he has to do to get us to trust him? But he will do what it takes. God always will make a void sometimes in order to fill it, not because He's angry, but because we hold on to all the perishing things. He speaks ex nihilo, out of nothing, let there be light, and bang, there is light. Abraham has to leave his home and his country, and when he's alone, then God gives him the promise. They have to go down into Egypt, the children of Israel, and then God gives the deliverance. They have to wander in the wilderness 40 years because they wouldn't trust God, and then they can go in and conquer They go into exile through the prophets. God is sifting out his people. And then the promise. God takes a little Jewish virgin by the name of Mary. And God the Son is born into this world. And the emptiness of Good Friday when God the Son dies on the cross is where it explodes into Easter morning. And it's when the the Holy Spirit comes only when Jesus leaves the boys. And then the Spirit of God seals every woman and man. Pick up this pattern here. When you make a holy space for God, then God will fill it. It's all about exchanging currency. Carol and I are uh, getting ready to go to Oxford, and I have got to start packing. But anyway, um, I found all this. I've had all this change running or laying around. So I thought, well, I'll go see how much money I've got this, you know. Uh, so I took it down here to Ralph's. I haven't ever done this before. You know the change machine? And so I poured everything in, and it, the machine broke because half of them were buttons. But it, 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 was, it was, and then it kicks all this stuff, and then it gives you this coupon. I go, coupon? And then it goes, go over to the cashier, and you give it to the cashier, and the cashier gives you some real greenbacks, and then you can buy the food you want. It's all about exchanging currency. The currency that God has loaned to us on this planet. Not about buying 
the gifts of the Spirit of the Spirit of God, but of saying for faith of clothing the naked and feeding the poor and telling the good news of Christ and reaching out to others. And God's response is not more money. God will take care of us. What God gives us the things we think that money will give to us. It's so remarkable. Have you ever had one of these all-expense vacations? You know where you go and you buy it and you get all the food and drink and everything's already on one bill? And some people are so used to not ever spending, they never order seconds, even though they've paid for it. So I show them. I eat seconds for them, that it's all right. Well, likewise, when he picked up the bill, he says, you can trust me, have another portion of love and joy and peace. It's going to cost more. It's all covered. You got it? Just go ahead and serve. But you got to come with open hands, not holding on to these things. One more passage. Turn with me over to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Turn back left on page 787. So we do the planting and God does the growing. But there is a harvest coming. Starting up in verse 19, down through verse 24. Again, I want to remind you, Jesus talks more about money than any other topic, and he never owns anything more than the shirt on his back. He only has one Hawaiian shirt. And as he lives his life, why does he say that? Here's why. Let's read this together, verse 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. What he's saying, if you see life right, you have light. But if the light in you is really darkness, and all of us have this markable get of habitation, we can adjust the things. When you go into an expensive restaurant because it's so dark, and you know what it is, so you can't read the prices. And after a while, you adjust to it at lunchtime. And if you go outside, wow, it is so bright. And you start to think like the world says, live for yourself. Squeeze out a little bit of goodies and pleasures. The only thing you can count on is yourself. And then you open the Word of God and it's, whoa, it's not me. It's God who I'm supposed to trust. You ever really been sick and just this little tiny pill can make you feel better? A lot of us financially just learning to trust Him in a little way. Muhammad Yunus, as I say his name, was just given the Nobel Prize for economics. What did he come up with? The poor people in the world, he gives them 10 to $20 loans. And it changes their lives. Little things. Someone asked Albert Einstein, what was the most impressive mathematical formula he knew? And he said, compound interest. What he meant was, you keep doubling things exponentially. 1 to 2 and 2 to 4 and 4 to 8 and 8. To 16 as it keeps going, it's unbelievable how fast things multiply over time. And as we learn to trust God in a little bit, there's this compound spiritual interest. You know, you and I, I know it, it is tough to live in L.A. What's the average apartment go for? 
like $10,000 a week. I forget what it is right now, but you go in for a, you order a hamburger with a fry. You got to go to the loan window, but you need to know some reality. If you took this 6 billion people on this planet and made it a village of 100 people and we put it over on Catalina Island, this would be the numbers reflecting of the 6 billion today. 57 of the 100 would be Asian. 21 would be European. 14 from the Western Hemisphere. 8 would be African. 52 would be female, interestingly. 48 would be male. 70 would be non-white. Only 30 would be white. 70 would be non-Christian, but 30 of the 100, this is an unbelievable number, would be Christian. Six people in that village would possess 59% of the entire world's wealth, and all six would be American. 80 would live in substandard housing. 70 of the 100 could not read. 50 would be suffering from malnutrition. One of the hundred would have a college degree, and one, maybe two of the hundred would own a computer. If you today have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, you are richer than 75% of the people this morning on this planet. And yet we as the church give less and less. There is a day of reckoning. It's not about God being bought. It's not about somehow some kind of legalism. It's about who did we trust and did we care about anybody but us. I love what the Bible calls coveting. Psychologists now called reference anxiety. Isn't that a great word? You ought to be happy, they say. You need to be making 20% more than your peers. No matter what it is, as long as you're 20% better than them. Well, the tough thing with the media keeps telling us we're 30% behind is why we're never happy. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 slow down. I've got a better way to do this. And this harvest that is coming, thank you for the harvest that you've already done. Walking uh, down the hill last Sunday night and uh, to the ladies because we had that ditch out there. And uh, I said, be careful as I stumbled. And as they, they I said, you know, uh, Mark, I just want to tell you, thank you for the small groups. They said, we had never had no idea it would be so much fun and these people help. Tell people to get in small groups. I said, okay, I'll do that sometime. I came over here yesterday. You know, our deacons and our uh, RO in the uh, middle school were cleaning up the trash off Mulholland. And I went over to my office and one of the guys was coming by and he goes, Pastor. Well, actually, he said, Pastor, dude. I said, uh, yeah. He said, uh, you know, this church is so way cool. And I said, why do you come up here? I just got a moment to talk with him. He said, Honestly, it's the only time in the week where I'm not made fun of. And they love me. I stood by someone's graveside again of this dear lady and saying, thank you. Lost the last of her children. And saying, for the arms, God's arms of you people around them. These young marrieds over here, you know, as they're getting married, they're putting Christ in the middle of their relationship and they're growing. As those that are getting involved in discipling and reaching out. Where do you get this kind of quality of worship to feed you spiritually, gas up your tank to go into the world? We go downtown and helping people and coming along ministries and sharing together and partnering and honoring them by going to their place to worship and say, show us and letting them drive. Like when I was with guys down in South America and other churches before have come to them, but just giving them financially and helping them 
not just a blank check like we're a bank, but saying, we believe in you. We want to partner with you. And one of them said, you so need to do this. American Christians are not like we're told. We got a bad rap out there just being materialistic. You know why? Because we're materialistic. But not everyone is. And being able to difference that this makes. Our deacons... We had somebody send me an email saying and helping out. All he needed was that one apartment payment. He says it's kind of like when your car's stuck in the mud. And that one bit just got him out of the ditch and gave him some dignity and to get, get going on. But I want to tell you the biggest thank you that I want to say to you is that day is coming. And we all stand in front of Jesus Christ. And we all get one-on-one with him because eternity is a very long time. And you imagine the angels bowing and the Son of God coming and over to you and grabbing you on that day. And His hugging you and you smelling His hair and feeling His heartbeat. And He taking the Prince of the Universe, His hands on your shoulder and looking you in the eye and saying, Thank you. Enter into the joy of the Lord, my dear. Where could you get that? As we get ready to come up to here, I want to thank you so much for the way that you have helped out. As you sow into this ministry and the way that you give to the Lord, I know how God is going to return to you. This is not going to make you rich, but I tell you this, financially, it will make you spirit, spiritually poor if you don't. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven as if a man went out to scatter seed, and he scattered upon the ground... And he went to bed, and it grew first the stalk, and then the head, and then the full grain of the head. And when did the harvest, and once he got his sickle and went out, because the harvest had come. We are going to have some wild, great times serving the Lord. I need you to be serious about Christ. Let's pray, shall we? With all of our heads bowed. I want you right now, because no one can tell you but what the Lord of the harvest, what you need to give. Would you right now say, God, would you impress upon me what it is you would like me to honor you with here at Bel Air in this mission? If you have a home church, maybe you'd be saying, Lord, what do you want me to give back home? Whatever it is, to learn to say that God is first in your life. Lord of the harvest, I thank you for the indescribable blessings you've poured upon us as Americans, the lives we live, the freedoms, the health care. God of the harvest, thank you for a spiritual home like Bel Air, the love and the hope and the quality of mission around here, Lord. May we be your ambassadors in the strategic city of L.A. as around the world. And Christ, above all, praise you for the true riches. When this world passes away, we are forgiven accepted and adopted. We are empowered. We are called. And someday we're going to be glorified, God. So right now, be pleased with all of these people as they bring their enacted prayer, their offering before you. Tell them, Lord, thank you. Be pleased to multiply their gifts. Guide and speak and honor your word. And may Jesus, the great God of the harvest, receive all the attention. And it's in his name, for his sake we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.